Welcome, my friends, to the Chaos Creed Podcast, where we discuss masculinity, emotional intelligence, and what it takes to be the greatest version of ourselves, then clash that with thought-provoking experience and perspective to unleash the greatest answers to the question, what does it mean to be rebel-minded? The space is here, the battleground set, and our creed committed to. I'll see all of you soldiers on the other side. All right, guys, welcome back to the Chaos Creed Podcast. I'm super stoked. It's been a little while since I've had another interview, and this is only the second, but the guy that I'm connecting with today, <laughs> I freaking love this guy because we're actually similar in so many ways. Um, our stories are pretty different, but it's that emotion um, that we went through and the experiences that we went through of kind of losing ourselves that made everything just so familiar to me when I heard his story and we actually started to go and back and forth and relate to each other. But the idea of these interviews is to bring you guys different perspective and bringing in that masculinity perspective from other men is what is going to help us understand the most about each other and the most about what the definition of masculinity actually means for us and what it means for today. And what you guys know about me is um, I created the Chaos Creed brand to bring some understanding and some and bring commitment to everybody that wants to have more and is done tolerating where they are and all the things that are obstructing them getting to their full potential and we've created the rebel minded promise and all of this is about reminding us to our obligation and being unapologetically and authentically us and Christian Lopez is the guy we're meeting with today, and he he follows that same suit, just in his own version, and that's why I'm super stoked to have him today. Um, relating to other men is super important. That, like I said, that's why we're here, and it's important for us men to be able to face each other so that we can live with the truth versions of each other, and it's it's up to us to bring out the best in one another by standing face to face without falter and so that we can then stand side by side and create stronger men for tomorrow. So without further ado, I want to welcome Christian Lopez. Christian is a former professional baseball player turned motivational speaker and men's confidence coach. After his baseball career came to an end, he felt lost without any identity or purpose. And for years he felt like a failure and like, and like he wasn't good enough, he was scared to take the next step in his life for fear of going through another heartbreaking failure. And he felt paralyzed by fear and unworthiness. And in 2017, after an honest, heartfelt conversation with a friend, he decided to begin making some changes and taking some positive steps in his life. One of those steps was going deep within himself to battle those fears, doubts, and insecurities that he had kept buried for so long, but were wreaking havoc on his life. In the process, he ventured into the worlds of public speaking and life coaching, two areas that he never thought he'd find himself in, but two areas where he felt called to and really began to flourish. Now he's on a mission to help men everywhere break free of the shame of those struggles, regain that confidence in themselves, and help them live a happy, fulfilling life they can be proud of. I'd like to introduce you all to Christian Lopez. Christian, go ahead and introduce yourself and let these guys know what you're about, man. Dude, uh, how do I follow that up? That's like that's like that's like me being like a, a brand new startup, you know, comedian, stand up comic, <laughs> and following like Jerry Seinfeld or something. That was awesome, man. You 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 know, you said the same thing about mine when I did my intro when you were 
when I had you on my show, but that was awesome, man. That was, that was freaking great. That was so detailed. That was so organized. That was so structured. I don't, I don't know what else to say except for thank you for having me and what's up uh, all you gents and all you ladies out there as well. Yeah. Um, we have to keep, just keep in mind, I actually have a good handful of women that listen to the podcast, even though awesome. it's based around masculinity. Awesome. So, uh, I, I know that I try to speak to you and you do too, um, talking to men generally, you know, mm -hmm. to kind of give out that, that awareness and, uh, teaching that emotional intelligence, but there's actually a good amount of ladies too. And I'm curious on why I have so many and it's something maybe we'd mm -hmm. have to dig into, but yeah. yeah, man, it's, it's good that you notice that too. I, I think it might be just women like want to try to figure out how we think, you know, just yeah. like us men, we're always trying to figure out like, man, how do women think they're, they're so complex. They so, you know, emotional and they think differently than us. I think women are, are curious too. I think as human beings, we're all curious and they just want to figure out like, why don't, why is my boyfriend, why is my husband acting this way? Why is he thinking this way? Why does he believe this? Why does he do this? And I think they're just curious to find out. And I think that curiosity is a good thing for anything, but especially for the opposite sexes uh, or the same sexes, just to, just to find out and, and to build those strong relationships because you're finding out things like, oh, maybe this is why he did this or she did that or she said that or she said this. So I think it's just curiosity. Dude, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, have you had women acknowledge your stuff and and yeah and talk to you about everything that you're creating yep. even though that's not like like the initial goal yeah for sure man and i love it and i love it because yeah. this work that you and i are doing and i've said this millions of times before it's not just gonna impact us men it's not just gonna benefit us men it's gonna benefit our women our mm -hmm. kids uh it doesn't matter it's gonna affect everybody around us regardless of what what gender they are dude yeah and i think that's um where what we're doing and <laughs> just so you guys know christian has an amazing voice for this type of stuff oh, i've listened to his podcast <laughs> just, it's because it's, my, it's, it's my throat's a little scratchy that's what it is oh <laughs> so in other words we should get we should let you get sick yeah yeah i should i should stay in this episode, kind right? of kind of unhealthy mode for a little bit <laughs> seems to work well oh man yeah that's perfect <laughs> um so as we proceed we're gonna we're gonna talk about a lot of stuff that christian's about and when i was talking about Christian in his bio, um, introducing him to the podcast, I mentioned his baseball career and Christian, um, was recruited right out of high school, correct? Mm -hmm. Right out of high school. Yeah. And, uh, into professional baseball. And it's, it's amazing to have that perspective of somebody that went to such a high level of life and him, go through that for how, how long was it? Nine years? I think you said, uh, yeah, pretty much nine, nine plus nine, years, pretty much a decade. Mm -hmm. And then have that transition in life and have to re relearn about himself and everything that is important to him. So first question I want to ask you, Christian is now that you've gone through that, we'll get to your story here in a minute, but yeah, sure. how is it that you feel about life now having gone through that? Um, and, and what do you need to do to be you now? Um, what helps you feel really good and feel great about being in the life that you are today and the interactions that you're having with other people? Yeah, great question, man. So, so pretty much my, when my baseball career came to an end, it was like my identity came to an end, my purpose came to an end, my meaning in life, because I always felt from a very young age that I was put on this earth to be a professional baseball player. Like that's, that's from the moment I stepped on the field, I loved it. I would tell everybody that asked me, hey, Christian, what do you want to be when you grow up? I was like, baseball player. That's it. I didn't think about anything else. There was a time there. It's funny. There was a time there where, because I, I was a really good student. I had really good grades. I had 
pretty high IQ, not to, not to, you know, toot my own horn, but my mom was always like, you know, of course, like any mom and any parent does like really stressed education, getting a good education. So there was a time there where my mom was like, Hey, why don't you be a doctor? Like you can be a doctor and a baseball player at the same time. And I was like, yeah, why don't I be a doctor? I can save people's lives and I can be a baseball player. (laughs) Hell yeah. And then I got a little bit older and I realized how much schooling goes into being a doctor. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm just going to stick with baseball. Not, not, <laughs> like I said, I was a good student, but I was just like, I didn't want to go to school for another decade or for however, how long uh, doctors need to go to school for. But once I found that out, I was like, no, I'm a baseball player. So, so that was my identity very early on. So when I played it professionally, it was just like, okay, this is it. I'm making my way to, I'm on the path toward my dream, towards my destiny, towards my fate this is it. This is who I am. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to be for the rest of my life. So I was in that, like I said, for almost uh, nearly a decade. And then when that came to an end, I was, I was just like, shit, who am I? What's yeah. I I used to be Christian Lopez, the baseball player. Now that's no longer a fact. So who am I? So I went essentially from, cause like you said, I was drafted, I was recruited out of high school. So I went from pretty much being an 18 year old kid thrust into a life of professional sports. I was with older men. I was the first time I was away from home, you know, out from the comfort of home, out from the protection of my parents, not physical, literal protection, but the protection like, hey, if something goes wrong, I can always turn to mom. I can always turn to dad. So it was the first time away from home. So I kind of had to do a little growing up. I had to take on some more responsibilities. But when my career came to an end, it was pretty much like I was an 18 year old kid all over again, because in that sports world, at least in the baseball world that I was a part of, it's like this small little bubble. It's mm-hmm. like, it's kind of, it's kind of quarantined from the outside world, not in a negative way. And like the, the, the real world, the outside world is a bad thing. It's just, it's its own little bubble. It's its own little community. It's a very small world. There's not a lot of professional athletes out there. And when you're in that world, like you're, you're seen as this, like, as this superhero, as this role model, and you know, you have fans and you travel to different cities and people look at you like you're like something special, you know, and it's, and it, and it, and it plays a part. It takes a toll on you, not in a negative way, well, maybe in a negative way, but you kind of start to buy into that. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm like this role model. I'm like this superhero. I'm getting to play a, a sport for, for, for a living and in, in, you know, a game that I played when I was a kid. So you kind of buy into that a little bit. And then when that comes to an end, you're like, oh damn, like in the real world, in this little bubble, in this little world, I might've been like a role model. I might've been like a superhero. But in the outside world, in the real world, I'm a nobody. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds harsh, but that's how I felt to myself. Yeah. Like I was just like an 18-year-old <laughs> kid being thrust into this world. I, I didn't have any – I skipped college, so I didn't have any, any of that under my belt. I, I had kind of like little jobs in between off-seasons to make a little money, but I never really had, you know, legitimate like big-time work experience. I didn't know how to freaking write a resume. I, I never really interviewed for like a big job, big position, so – when that little world, it was almost like I was living a dream literally for, mm-hmm. for 10 years, you know, and then that dream, that dream just came to an end and I woke up and I woke up and I was just like, damn it, that was a dream the whole time. Like now I got to wake up and, and get out there and go to work or do whatever, you know, it is people do in the real world and not in the dream world. So going from that world to the real world and when that career came to an end is almost like I was waking up from a dream. Um, so it took me a while to transition into and and accept that I no longer was an athlete that I no longer had this routine and this regimen I had to start building a new routine a new regimen 
I had to start, you know, working out, pushing myself to work out because when I was an athlete, I was kind of, I kind of needed to work out to, to, to be good at my job. So I kind of had that incentive, but without that incentive, I really had to find that, that motivation and that push to actually go to the gym and work out or to stay active or to stay physical. So there was a lot of adjustments that I needed to make. Uh, but the biggest one by far is learning to find out who I really was without baseball, finding that identity, finding out who Christian Lopez was without baseball. Because like I said, in the past, it was Christian Lopez, baseball player. And now it's Christian Lopez, you know, blank, fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. So that was the toughest part for me is learning to find out and being okay and being strong in who I really was deep down inside without that label of baseball player. So that's been the, the toughest part for me, but also the most beneficial because out of the ashes of that loss of that career came, you know, I, I was just pretty much with my back against the wall. I was essentially at rock bottom as far as like ego was. So I had to start to build myself up again without these attachments, without these labels and find out who Christian Lopez really was. Dude, I, it, my heart goes in my throat <laughs> when I listen to you talk about your story. <laughs> and this is the point that I want to, that I want to make known to everybody is I, I can relate to Christian's, to Christian's story because of that transition to have, having to find a new version of yourself. But at the, at the level Christian was at and where he went from being basically an adolescent, you know, being a kid into being top of the world not only because he was doing what he wanted to do but in a in an entertainment industry where if you're professional you're under contract you're you're you feel like you're set right like you feel like you're you know everything's going the way that it should go and you know you're you're just part of a team and you're you know everything's going to be smooth now right you know outside of your daily habits and you know consistently being a good athlete and I was in the electrical field for so long before I, you know, kind of had my new leaf, but Christian's leaf is about 10 times the size of mine. <laughs> like to go from being, you know, this, this legend and, you know, every, something that everybody, probably a lot of kids look up to, mm -hmm. you know, into not having any of that yeah. and how hard that is. I think that most of us, once we kind of get to our late twenties or thirties, most of us have had some sort of period in our life where we're like, Oh my God, this, this is, this is real now. You know, mm -hmm. I just went through all some, you know, something traumatic and I don't know who I am. Um, but like I said, to go through that at your level is mind blowing. And I, I'd kind of want people to get a feel for what that, what that was for you afterwards, like what it mm -hmm. took for you to pick yourself back up after having everything kind of taken away from you without, like you said, like you didn't, you didn't apply to college. Like you didn't have any of that stuff. You went straight to being an athlete, which mm -hmm. is awesome. So what was that process like afterwards getting yourself back on track yeah. um, to make you feel like you were something again, to, to yeah. make you feel like you were a Christian Lopez? Yeah. Another great question, man. But before I dive into that, I want to say like, you got to give yourself a little bit of credit because mm -hmm. even though you weren't a professional athlete, even though you didn't, you weren't in the same world that I was, it's, it's all relative, man, because whatever you did, whatever other people do out there, it, it can have the same effects on us mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally that for me, baseball had mm -hmm. like, not everybody's going to be a professional athlete, but for me, that was my dream. Yeah. You know, for you, you had a dream. You know, and for other people, they have dreams. So that it doesn't matter what that dream is. If you're living it, if you're even getting a taste of it, it makes you feel really good. 
Yeah. And then when that comes all crashing down, it's going to have the same effect on me. It's just, it's like I said, it's all relative. It means somebody else will have it in another field. Somebody else will have it in another field or, or in another part of their life. So just because you weren't a professional athlete or just because somebody's speaking out or somebody listening out there, you know, didn't have these lofty dreams or whatever it was that you were aspiring to, that you had goals for, that you had ambitions and desires for, and you got a little bit of taste of that and then that was taken away. It can, it can leave you with the same empty feeling that my baseball career coming to an end left me with, you know, so it doesn't matter, you know, as long as at the end of the day, we're all human beings. Yeah. You come, we, we might look differently. We might speak differently. We might come from different parts of the world and, and adhere to different values and morals or whatever. But at the end of, at the end of the day, we're human beings. We all know what sadness feels like. We all know what rejection feels like and dejectedness and loneliness and all this other stuff and happiness and excitedness and all this stuff. We're all human beings and we all can relate to that, which is, What's amazing about things like this is that even though somebody listening out there might not be able to relate to my baseball career or being in that world, they can relate to the sadness and the failure and the loneliness. We all can. So I just wanted to say that before I get into it. So your question was, how did I bounce back? So it took me a while. So after my career came to an end, I was still left with that void and that emptiness. You know, I still wanted that validation because I had dreams. My dreams of, you know, professional baseball were get to the major leagues, which I never got to make millions of dollars, which I never did be an all-star win a world series, get into the hall of fame. I even, I think I've told you this before, I would mentally visualize myself up on a, you know, behind a podium, given my hall of fame induction speech with my family in the crowd and my dad crying and my mom crying and my brother and sister so proud and smiling at me. Like I would, I would envision that because I thought that was my destiny and that was my fate. So when that came to an end, um, damn, I lost my train of thought. hate when that happens. Um, so how did I recover? How did I bounce back? So for me, okay, that's where I was going. I still had that, that void and that emptiness inside. So I needed to fill it somehow with validation. I needed my parents and my brother and sister to still be proud. I needed other people to see that I made something of my life. So when baseball came to an end, I was like, all right, I still want to be rich and famous. What's, what's the best way to do that? And I was like, I'm a pretty well-built guy. I'm, I'm, I'm decently good looking. I, I'm charming. I can make people laugh. Why don't I go be an actor? Yeah, that's it. I'm going to move to LA, pack up all my stuff, move to LA, become a big Hollywood uh, movie star. I'm going to be on billboards, magazines, TV. People are going to see me and people are going to see that I did something with my life. That was my main motivator behind that. So sure enough, packed up my bags, drove cross country to LA, not knowing anybody, just like just motivated by the way my career ended and being a little bit bitter and being a little bit angry and using that as fuel to my fire to make something of, my, of myself. And a lot of me wanted to do it because I wanted to show other people, like prove other people wrong. Like, see, I made it. You didn't think I was going to make it. You thought I was a failure. You thought I was a loser. See, I made it. But deep down, I realized like I felt like I was a loser. I felt mm -hmm. like I was a failure and I was projecting that onto other people. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that was my motivating factor. So I try to recover by, you know, chasing fortune and fame in the acting industry, being a movie star, TV star, whatever it was. And then after a couple of years, that kind of lost its pizzazz and, and I didn't have a strong why behind it. So I was just like, ah, oh, this isn't for me. I don't really enjoy this. I was doing it for the wrong reasons, very shallow reasons. So I quit. <clears throat> and then again, I was at a crossroads. I was dejected. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm lonely. I'm scared. I don't know what else I'm good at, what else I can offer. So then I started looking into firefighting. My sister had been a, or is a police, has been a police officer for almost a decade now, probably. 
But we had a really long talk one day and she told me it's the best job I've ever had. And I never thought in a million years I'd hear my sister say that because her and I were very similar. She was really, no, she was a better athlete than I was. And I'm a pretty damn good athlete, but she was <laughs> a beast. Um, still is. But anyway, she told me it was the best job she ever had. So I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Let me look into that. I knew I didn't want to be, be a police officer. So I was like, what about firefighting? So I started looking into firefighting. I saw all the things about it, like, you know, that teammate atmosphere, that brotherhood, that chance to be a hero in the community, that chance to be a role model again. It had so many aspects that I missed from baseball. And I talked to a lot of firefighters that said, yes, if you're a former professional athlete, you're going to love this. This is going to be right up your alley. It's going to be like you never left mm -hmm. the baseball field. And I was like, this is great. Okay, this is who I am. This is my new identity. Again, I started picturing myself and envisioning myself as a firefighter. Uh, just being on the job and being a hero and all that, all that great stuff. So that's what I took on as my new identity. It's like, this is it. This is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. And then earlier this year, I got rejected. Unfortunately, they don't tell you why. They just said, hey, thank you for applying. But yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Good luck in the future. So again, ego crushed, dejected, back at a crossroads again. I was like, damn, what am I going to do? Because I was really invested in this. I was really invested and I thought for sure this was it. This was my next job. This was my career. I don't have to worry about money and, and interviewing and filling out resumes. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life until I retire. So when that came to an end, again, I was just like, damn it. Shit. Who am I? What do I, what do I, what am I going to do? What do I have to offer to the world? And around that time I had already started, I had had that long talk with a friend and, and I had already started kind of making some positive changes and taking some positive action in my life. So that's when I really had to buckle down and be like, all right, who am I? I'm not a baseball player. I'm not an actor. I'm not a firefighter. Who is Christian Lopez? And that's when I really started doing some deep work, reading, listening to audiobooks, listening to podcasts, listening to TED Talks, watching TED Talks, reading articles, doing anything I could to try to get over this ugly, nasty feeling I was feeling of being a failure, of being a loser, of being scared, of being doubtful, of being insecure. So I just started doing all this work and figuring out who I, I, how, who I was, meditation, journaling, just anything I could to get deep within me and figure out, all right, what the heck's wrong with you? Why can't you move forward with your life? Why are you so scared? So just trying to find that out. And that was the biggest step forward for me because I think with acting, even with firefighting a little bit, I was looking for some type, I was still looking for some type of comfort, some type of security, some type of a label that I can tell people like, hey, I'm a, I'm a Hollywood actor. Hey. I'm a firefighter. Hey, I'm this. Hey, I'm that. Because when I was a professional baseball player, that was kind of like the first thing I led with in conversation. Hey, who are you? What's your name? Oh, my name's Christian. I'm a professional baseball player. And of course, people's eyes would light up like, really? What? What's that like? Tell me more about that. How did that happen? So that made me really proud. Yeah. So I wanted something again that I could be proud of because <clears throat> I wasn't yet proud of myself. Just myself stripped down from all those labels, from all that everything. I always needed a job or a label or a career to tell somebody to lead with in conversation so people could be like, okay, I'm interested because I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think I was interesting enough on my own. So for me, finding that identity, finding that purpose, finding out who I really am without those labels or anything was, was the, the, the best way for me to, to begin to recover from that failure, from that loss of baseball. Dude. Yeah. And it, tell me, tell me if I'm wrong. Um, but from an out, outside perspective, it was almost like you were you were chasing that hero, heroism, 
for yourself more than you were absolutely. for the value that you could give. Yeah. Does absolutely. that sound about right? Yep. Absolutely. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah. Because it was, it was like, yes, it was perfect because I equate that how to how I used to be a nice guy, a people pleaser when I was younger. I mean, I'm still a nice guy. I, I, I like to think, but mm-hmm. when I was younger, I would be the people pleaser and the nice guy more so because I wanted desperately for everybody to like me. I didn't want anybody to dislike me or to hate me at all. Like it, it made me feel like I was just like, why, why, why does that person like me? What's wrong with me? You know, what's wrong with me? Why doesn't that person like me? So I would do things more so for getting people to like me more than I just really wanted to do something nice for somebody and do mm-hmm. uh, an act of kindness or whatever. So I've started to shift that a little bit. But yeah, the same thing with like being a hero and being a role model and being a movie star. I didn't want to do it because I wanted to put out good content out there as an actor. I didn't necessarily want to do it because I wanted to put out a fire or save somebody's life just to save their life. I wanted other people to recognize it and be like, hey, Christian Lopez, that's, that's a good dude right there. He made something of himself. So now I've started to shift a little bit more to you know doing things because I genuinely want to do them without worrying about what other people are going to think, without worrying about praise or, or admiration or anything like that. Just doing it because I feel called to do it more though than what I'm going to get out of it. So you nailed it. Yeah, you nailed it on the head. Yeah, dude, I, I, I get, I kind of get that idea of how you feel. Um, even though I was in something I didn't really enjoy, you, you lose touch with something that made you feel like you were substantial, mm-hmm. made you feel like you had control of what was going on. And this is why I think, even though it's kind of overly said, why authenticity is so majorly important because mm-hmm. we can, we can um, almost label something as being authentic because we just mm-hmm. want it so bad. And really it, it's more shallow and superficial than, than we think because we're maybe doing it for the wrong reasons. We just yeah. don't see it. Yeah. You know? And so it, it's, it's dialing down completely about what makes you feel real and what makes you think about what is, is super impressive to you and not impressive to everybody, yeah. if, if that makes sense. Because, you know, I think being a pro athlete is super awesome. I think that's real. I think being an actor is super awesome. And I think that's real. I think being a firefighter is, I think all those things are super real, but there's a reason why there's so much diversity in us as humans and the careers that we have and the paths that we follow, mm-hmm. because not everything is best for every person. Yeah. If, if that's what I, you mm-hmm. know, if, if you understand what I'm, what I'm saying is like, and that's why authenticity is so important is because we have to dial in what is best for us and not proceed into something that makes us just make, just makes us feel like we're recognized or makes us feel like we're famous or popular just because we want to be known. Yeah. You know, we're all looking for a tribe. We're all looking for, the people that we want to connect with. We're all looking for that validation. And that's something that I uh, had to come to terms with was that, oh, you know, because at first I was thinking, well, I don't need to be valid by anybody, you know, as long as I'm following my own path. But really like what we're doing biologically is we want to be accepted into the tribe because we don't want to be exiled. We don't want to feel like we're not part of something because that makes us feel fear about, um, you know, losing our life, about Mm -hmm. uh, not being able to survive. And so we actually do really look for validation but I think we we have to want to be included into the tribe with our skills and our authentic real selves. And that's the best position we can be in. We can't put on a mask and think that everybody's going to accept us for who we are just because they see this superficial thing that may or may not really be us because it's going to tear us in or tear us apart inside 
because it's not really us yeah almost right so yeah. it's it's like you went through all these things that were actually tearing you down more and more to help you find what real purpose was actually mm -hmm. authentic to you right yep yeah so well said man so well said and it's and it's hard as human beings like you said because we're wired to connect we're wired to be in groups we're wired to depend on other people as much as you say you're a lone wolf and you're a self-made mm -hmm. this and self-made that we're all we all depend on each other for for whatever it is especially back in the day when we were living in small tribes we depended on people on the hunters for food and on the gatherers for water and whatever else we needed yeah. so it's hard it's it's easy to fall into that trap of doing things because you like the praise or doing things because it brings you closer to other people like i'd, yeah. I'd be i'd be lying if i said that when i put out a, a podcast episode or I put out a blog post or whatever it is. And I got some positive feedback and I got some people reaching out to me saying, thank you. I'd be lying if I said that didn't feel good. I'd be of lying. Of course yeah. it feels really good. And it, and sometimes you fall into that trap. Like, man, I want to put some more stuff out that people like, and that people give me good feedback and that, that people comment on. And I know that I'm inspiring them and motivating them and impacting their lives. It's, it's easy to fall into that trap of like itching or you know, searching just for that. But that's where self-awareness comes in. That's when you got to stop for a moment, you know, sit by yourself with your thoughts, look yourself in the mirror and be like, okay, why am I doing this? Am I doing this mm -hmm. because I want people to like me? Am I doing this because I want praise? Am I doing this because I want this to go viral and blow up? Or am I doing it because I know there's somebody out there who really needs this, who's mm -hmm. going to read this, who's going to watch this, and it might change their life. That's what I want to try to shoot for. And if I get praise for it, awesome. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And if I don't, then whatever, it might, it might sting a little bit like, man, why, why wasn't this received well? But I can't, I got to remind myself and focus. Why are you doing this? Are you doing this yeah. for the praise? Or are you doing this because you can impact somebody's life in a really big way? Dude. Yeah. Yeah. I, I spot on, honestly. It, so to me, it's almost like you're, when you're, when you're following your purpose and finding what really matters, it's almost like you're connecting what makes you real mm -hmm. with the connection that you need from from other people mm -hmm. and when those come together that's bliss yeah right yeah. when you can yeah. be your real self in front of everybody else and you are accepted yeah almost. Uh, it, sorry another thing i wanted to say too was um you know just to touch uh, a minute on authenticity mm -hmm. you know i used to not necessarily struggle with authentic authenticity but i used to kind of throw that word out there and not really knowing what it means. And then yeah. I forgot where it was, but I came across this great definition of authenticity. I think it was in a blog post somewhere, but it's stuck with me ever since. And they described authenticity as when your thoughts, when your words, and when your actions all line up. You know, when you're being, when you have that integrity where your actions, you know, follow your words and your words follow your thoughts and all of that stuff is in line. Because if you're thinking one thing, you're like, you know, oh, I want to, I want to put this blog post out there. I want to start this podcast because I want to change the world. But then your actions are saying, I want to put this blog post out there because I want it to be go viral and I want it to blow up and I want it to make a ton of money, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. If that's your initial mindset, like I want to do a podcast because I want to make a ton of money. Fine. That's yeah. fine. But if your thoughts and your words and your actions all line up with that, that's, that, that's authenticity. But if your thoughts are, I want to do this because I want to make an impact on the world, but then your actions say that you want to do this just to, to get rich and to make money, then that's, that's not being authentic, you know? And, and I just, that has always stuck with me because I always kind of just threw that word out there without really thinking about like, what does that mean to me? What does mm -hmm. authenticity mean to me? And authenticity to me means when my thoughts, when what I care about, my opinions and my beliefs, I, those come out in my words and those come out in my actions and that stuff all lines up.
dude yeah and it's it's almost like there's a stubbornness for us to want to succeed yeah we're so modern times now it's like all of us want to be successful and everybody's telling us we we can be successful and we're almost cutting out the growth part you know that yeah. we have to dig into ourselves like you were saying is like spend some time straight up just not talk, paying attention to anything else except want, trying to figure out what you want in life mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. we can become so stubborn about being successful because everyone says that we can that we bypass everything and just pick on something that makes us feel like we'd be successful yeah you know and successful in the ways of money or fame or you know having all the things when it has nothing to do with success of our own heart and our own mind and yeah. what feels awesome to us, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Success is, is different from everybody. And it, it reminds me of, you know, that age old adage that I'm sure you've heard a million times, like, Oh, it's all about the journey. It's all about the mm -hmm. process. I used yeah. to listen to that and, you know, in my more naive years and think, no, what do you mean? It's all about the process. It's about the end goal. It's about getting to the major leagues. It's about being in the hall of fame. It's not about putting in the blood, sweat and tears and, and, and waking up at five in the morning to go work out and, and do all this stuff. That's not what it's about, but no, that's exactly what it's about. Because when you take care of that stuff and when you really put your heart and soul into the process, into the journey, even if your dreams don't work out, even if, you know, things don't, things take a, a, an ugly turn, even if you fall on your face, even if you fail, putting yourself through that work ethic, through that grind, through waking up at 5 a.m. or whatever it is that you do in the process and the journey, that's ultimately what's going to make a difference because mm -hmm. you might not reach your goal. You might not reach your dreams. I didn't. But I know that work ethic that I put in, that, that, that leadership that I built, that uh, being able to work in a team, I know that stuff has vitally, vitally helped me in my life after baseball. Yeah, I didn't reach my goal. I didn't reach my ultimate dream. But that journey, that process of people I met along the way, it took me a while to finally realize and accept it. But that's what it was about because I didn't reach my journey. And a lot of people don't really ever reach their dreams at least not the way they envision we just spoke before we started recording like you know you went on this trip around the country it didn't it didn't work out the way you envisioned like how many things in our life work out exactly the way we envision mm -hmm. but what matters is that you went on that journey that you went through that stuff that you went through your clutch started slipping and you had to figure stuff out that's what's important and that's what matters at the end of the day <laughs> no i i i think you're right it's because i remember Going, going back to that ride, um, for anybody that wants to know what we're talking about, I took a trip around the States last year, uh, going over a little over 8,000 miles on a motorcycle, you know, packed everything with me. Um, and what Christian and I talked about was what I emotionally was going through. And that's actually what I remember more than anything is the emotion and the, the small experiences that I was having throughout and the places that I saw. And the fact that I went all together is, is almost distant. Like I, I barely remember that I even planned the thing. You know, what I remember most is everything that was going on during the trip, which, like I said, mm -hmm. even though I've, I felt more stressed than, you know, satisfaction and happiness going on the trip, that's what I remember most. Yeah. And maybe that's, maybe that's what Christian means is we're supposed to be able to to feel everything that we're going through and not focus so much on the forward because it may change and yeah. it may not be at the level we, we expect. So we might as well be in the moment, right? We might as well yeah. take everything for what it is and 
live happy and live satisfied and know that we're grinding every day and not worried about the grind that's two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, because who knows where it's going to be. Exactly. Yeah. You never know. I didn't think I would be here, you know, five years ago, you know, I didn't think or six plus years ago when I was still playing baseball, I didn't think I'd be here. I didn't think I'd be living in Los Angeles, married for four years and, and have a dog and have a condo and yeah. all this stuff. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think this, but this is exactly where I'm meant to be. This exact, it's, 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 it's exactly where I need to be because this is where I am. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no, we don't have a time machine. We can't change stuff. So I think the more you fight that stuff, the more you're in denial, the more you think of like, Oh, if only this, if only that, if, 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 this person hadn't screwed me over if that hadn't happened if i hadn't been fired all this if we just just hold that inside and hold those grudges it's just, it's gonna it's gonna hold us back from growth it's gonna hold us back from it's gonna hold us back from the present moment like we were talking about earlier and being mindful you know when you're holding on to all that stuff just accept what is it doesn't mean that you have to be okay with it, it doesn't mean like somebody screws you over and you're like well, i'm okay with it no be be angry be upset but just know that you have to accept it because it is it is what it is like you know crappy things are going to happen to us. It doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make, you know, somebody breaking the law or you breaking the law okay, but it is what it is. So you have to accept it. And what can you do from this point forward? Because there's no going back. There's only going forward. Yeah, no, I I agree. And uh, I think it would take off a lot of stress in people's minds and take a lot of stress off people's shoulders if if they could learn. It's, It's not an easy thing. No, you know, no, I, no, I still no, catch no, myself no, being by way too means. forward, you know, by no means is it an easy thing, but it's, it's, it's like anything else. It's a practice. It's a practice that you have to keep coming back to every day. Um, I, so there is something I want to kind of tap back into, uh, mm-hmm. relating to your baseball career. So you were in a, a team related environment, mm-hmm. you know, and I've heard you talk about how much you enjoyed your other athletes, how much you connected with like your veteran athletes compared to, you know, the newer ones, the, the more, uh, ego inflated ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, um, do you think that that was something that is, is one of your values, like is a constant that you needed in your life kind of just by the way, uh, you've gone through your failure failures and your experiences even after it's almost like you had that loss of a team. Do you think that's something you were, you have been looking for throughout as, as you proceed, you know, becoming a firefighter, being around them, uh, being a life coach, connecting with other people that are kind of like part of a community, Mm-hmm. Is that something you think you followed? Yeah, for sure. I think that's always something, even if I try to get away from it, even if I try to be like a lone wolf, you know, like society teaches us men to be. Um, no, I've always loved and thrived being around a team, whether it was in baseball, whether it's my family, whether it's at work, uh, whether it's in men's groups or Toastmasters or whatever it is. I always love being around other people because being around other people is like, it's like having it's like having, it's like tuning into a different channel on mm-hmm. TV. Cause you're going to get a different perspective. You're going to get different viewpoints. You're going to get different experiences. And I love, like, I love doing this because I, I get to learn about you and I get to learn about the way you see the world and the way you view things. And when I talk to somebody else, I get to see their perspective and their opinions and their thoughts. And it's always, it's an ongoing learning process. Like I, I love to, I love to learn stuff from people. I think that's why I'm such a curious guy. It's because I'm like, Every, everybody's going to have a different opinion. Everybody's going to have a different thought. Even if you see eye to eye with somebody on so many things, there's, there are some things that you're just going to see differently. And, and that's what I love. And that's what I love about this work that I'm doing because it's bringing people together. It's bringing men together. It's pr- putting us together in a group and say, hey, let's learn from each other. Let's, let's mm-hmm. exchange ideas. Let's ex- exchange thoughts and, and beliefs. So that is, definitely, that is definitely something that 
that I've strived for and that I continue to strive for is that, that team atmosphere, that team environment. Because like I said, as human beings, we're meant to connect. We're meant to bond. We're not meant to be on this earth or be in this life alone. Like mm -hmm. uh, there was a study done that people, I forgot when it was done. I forgot how many people it was done on, but it was, it was carried out over many, many years. And they found that the people that were the healthiest that lived the longest lives were people who had the best social connections. Not the people who ate the best, not the people who exercised the most, not the people who didn't smoke or didn't drink or didn't do this stuff. It was the people who had really good social connections was the biggest determining factor on how healthy you're going to be on how long uh, of a life you're going to live. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, I do it kind of because I want to view other people's perspectives, but I do it because I kind of want to be healthy and I want to live a long life too. See, and this is, this is where I think men have the, the, one of the biggest hardships, one of the biggest things that they struggle with is thinking that is understanding that there's something outside of one type of way to be a man, like defining masculinity, defining man in such a strict form, I think is kind of suffocating us. And I think this is also one of the reasons I connect with you is you are, you're super accepting and you're super understanding of a lot of other people's situations. And I, I'm curious also how that has affected your life. And if you think it's kind of guided you down the path that you are going down now. So one of the things and I know I've heard it in my, in my past at some point, but it's something that you seem to make super important is do unto others as they would do unto you. And that brings in a form of respect that a lot of times people would agree with, but don't always act out on. You know what I mean? Yeah. So do you think that's changed your relationships? Do you think that's, especially with men, uh, mm -hmm. what do you think that has done for, for you in connecting with other men? Yeah. Yeah. The golden rule, man. That's something that I've always tried to live my life by since, I mean, since as early as I can remember, since I was a kid, um, just, just treating others. Uh, although, like I said earlier, um, when I would do it, when I was a lot younger, it was more so like, yes, I wanted to do nice things for people and I wanted to make them happy and please them. But the, the ulterior motive was for to get them to really like me and to mm -hmm. get them not not so much even to really like me, just more so so they wouldn't dislike me. I think that's what my, that's what my biggest fear and my biggest motivating factor behind anything I did was like, I don't want this person to like not like me. I want to please them in any way I can so they don't like me. But yeah, the golden rule is always something that I've tried to strive by because I don't know, I, I think I've always just been naturally an empathetic, affectionate kind warm person I, and I think I like to blame my mom for that because she was always very affectionate very kind and loving and warm with us with us kids me and my siblings so I think it stems from that but I've always put myself in other people's shoes like I've always thought about and, and yes I failed yes I was a, a stupid teenager at once and I did stupid things and I said stupid things and I hurt people and I broke people's hearts and now I'm not trying to put myself out there as a saint but I do try as much as I can to think about, okay, if I did this to this person, or if I did this in this situation, how would I like it if I was in that person's shoes? Or how would I like it if this is done to me? So I always, I always kind of try to like think about that. And I'm not a very religious, uh, or I'm not a religious man at all. But I do like to kind of believe in karma. I do like to believe in like, hey, you're gonna get out, you're gonna get back what you put out there into the world. And and I'm not doing it, like I said, I don't want to do it just because I want to get good stuff back. I just want to do it now because I just want to make somebody smile. I want to make somebody's life a little bit better because 
I think about my life and it might not be perfect and it might not be exactly where I want it to be. And I might not yet be the person that I strive to be every single day, but I have a damn good life and I'm lucky and I have a good family and I have a job and I have a roof over my head and I have food on my table and I have clean water to drink. Like how many people don't even have that? So when I think about that and when I practice that gratitude, it makes it a lot easier to put myself in other people's shoes. Like, shit, man, like I'm really lucky. Like I want to, I want to make this person's, even if I, if it's just a few seconds out of their day, I want to, I want to infuse some of that gratitude, infuse some of that happiness into their life. And that's kind of like my motivating factor is yes, do one to others. But now it's just like, man, I want you to feel what I feel because yes, I have my bad days and yes, I have my days where I'm lonely or I'm angry or I'm upset or whatever it is. But overall, I'm pretty damn happy and I'm pretty damn grateful for everything that I have. And if I can rub some of that gratitude off or some of that happiness off on somebody else, like that's, there's not a much better feeling than that. Oh yeah, man. And speaking of, I mean, this is, this is a vulnerability strength that Christian has. It's, I don't, I don't think I've, we've come across any area in our conversations where he hasn't just been completely bluntly like thrown everything out there and been honest about everything that he's gone through, which is, is super impressive. The hard part is, and I think there's a, a current awakening that's happened, happening to a lot of men, but I think it's, there's such a hard resistance to it. Um, and so have you, found that in your experience with connecting with other guys is have you felt that resistance and does that change the type of relationships with you does that deter you from certain other men compared to the ones that are more like you and being more vulnerable um the opposite actually it kind of makes me want to dig my heels in a little uh-huh. bit more it's it's, it's kind of like when i invite uh, encounter uh, a rude or, or a mean person um, other people will just snap back and be rude back. And, I, and I've been there too. I'm not going to say I haven't, but most times I dig in my heels a little bit more and be like, oh, you're rude and you're mean. I'm going to be extra nice to you <laughs> to try to change you and or, or at the least to try to get you to realize like, damn, this guy's really nice. Why am I being such an ass? Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to be a little, little bit nicer to this guy. I just want people to, to, to show people like you don't have to hide behind your fears and your insecurities and, and worried about people taking advantage of you. Like, I'm not going to take advantage of you. Just, just, just be nice. Like, mm-hmm. I, I know that mean person you're being right now. That's not really you. That's coming from some deep insecurities, from some, from some anger, from some fear, whatever it is, some doubts. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to be really nice to you just to show you that it's okay to be nice. It's mm-hmm. okay to let your guard down because I think a lot of people, when they are mean, they are rude, they are really closed off. It's from a fear a fear of really exposing their true selves, a fear of being a taken advantage of, a fear of being weak, which mm-hmm. is a big fear for men. Like, I'm a man. Oh, yeah. I got to be tough. I can't be weak. Like, this is, you know, John Wayne wasn't weak. Friggin' 007 wasn't weak. Like, all these guys, they're not weak. They're strong. They're super strong. So, so yeah, when I c- encounter guys who are a little bit closed off, it's funny. It just happened recently with the Facebook group that I'm a, I'm a part of. Um, this dude... You know, he kind of wrote some messages on there and then he he wrote like an exit message and he's like, hey, man, I'm, you know, I'm kind of bouncing. I don't know if this group is really meant for me. I don't know if I'm ready to to share my story in in a Facebook group. And I and I messaged him directly and I was like, dude, I, I totally get it. Um, but, you know, just feel free. If you want to leave, you're free to leave. If you want to stay, you're free to stay. But I just want you to know that whatever you share here, nobody's going to judge you for it. Nobody's going to go and, and spill the beans. You know, it's going to stay here like and. I don't know. It's just when I find 
it's when I find guys like that that are still closed off that don't really want to open up. Like it makes me, it makes me kind of empathetic and sympathetic because yeah. I know for me, opening up and being vulnerable and talking about these things, these failures, these these feelings of loser, which is stuff I never would have talked about three, four, five years ago. But the more I talk about this stuff, man, I swear, like it it just frees me. Just talking about it right now is just like a, a something's being lifted off me. Like I'm getting mm -hmm. goosebumps talking about this stuff. And I know for me, if I hadn't begun talking about this stuff, I'd still be in the same place I was two, three, four years ago where I was at a crossroads. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I wanted. I wasn't moving forward in my life. I felt like just, just nothing. I felt like mm -hmm. nothing. But talking about this stuff and sharing this stuff openly, and the more I do it, the stronger I get and the less power these things have over me because I used to hide behind my fears and my insecurities and my doubts for so long that once I started to talk about them, like I just looked at them and I was just like, you, you have no power over me anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm not ashamed of, of failing in my baseball career. I'm not ashamed of being this and being cheated on. I'm not ashamed of this. I'm not ashamed of that. Like all this stuff starts to lose so much power. So I know when guys are closed off and afraid to talk about this stuff, there's a fear, there's a doubt there that, they're going to get ridiculed, that they're going to get shamed, that they're going to view, be viewed at as, you know, gay or soft or feminine or whatever it is. And it's just like, no, man, like, it's okay to share this stuff. Like, I promise you, the more you share it and the more you stop hiding behind it, the better you're going to feel. But it, it is hard. Like you said, it is very, very difficult. It wasn't easy for me to start to like, I remember when I first started, you know, sharing stuff on social media and through blog posts and through the podcast, it was tough. I was just like, I would... I would write a blog post and then I would edit it and I would look at it for days and days and days and like, like, wow, like should I share this, man? This is really intimate. This is really personal. It's going to be out there forever. People are going to be able to come back to it later on in the future. And I'm just like, I push send and I, and I put it out there and what has happened? Mm -hmm. You know, not, nothing, nothing happened and nothing but good stuff. And I'm just like, once I put it out there, and not only has bad stuff not happened, but on the contrary, really good stuff has happened because I've had people reach out to me and say, thank you, man. That's something that has been on my mind that I've been struggling with for so much of my life. And I, and I just needed somebody and I just needed to know that I wasn't alone. That's one of the best things that I've gotten from this work that I've been doing is knowing that I'm not alone in my feelings and also being able to be that person that lets other people know that they're not alone. That's if not the biggest, one of the biggest benefits that I've gotten out of doing this work. Mm -hmm. And probably, probably a lot for men, right? Because a lot of men now probably feel alone and they yeah. put up this front that they're not, Exactly. you know, uh, for, for the benefit of, of looking solid for, for looking mm -hmm. strong for, of course. you know, being that appealing man that other guys want to be and that appealing man that every woman wants maybe. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know, um, some, I'm, I'm going to quote you here. Uh, yep. so Christian said, if according to our culture, being a man means being brave and courageous, there is nothing more courageous than standing up for who you are and what you truly believe in and going against the grain of culture and society. So this is almost, this is almost one of the most creative, uh, definitions of masculinity that i think <laughs> i've heard it was, it was nice to hear that again i was like man i said that yeah that was pretty nice dude pretty unique i like it um so since we want to tap into the definition of masculinity how do you define masculinity now that you've gone 
through so much. I mean, I know how we probably would have defined it whenever mm -hmm. we were kids. Yeah. You know, that, that John Wayne thing that you were talking mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's the hard part is being so decisive about what the world's told you it is and going against that, yeah. which, you know, amazingly hard. You have to have mm -hmm. quite a resilience to go ahead and tell yourself that something you believed for your whole life isn't true, no. you know? So it obviously sounds like this is part of your definition, but is there some elaboration that you put onto that? How, how do you define what we should see as masculine? What do you think is ideal for the men of today? Yeah. Um, before I elaborate on it, I want to break it down even simpler for me. Okay. Masculinity is being, being you, being the man that you were born to be whether that's a macho man, whether it's a gay man, whether it's uh, you know, a professional athlete, whether it's a power lifter, whether it's an actor, whatever it is, be the man that you were born to be because falling in line and conforming to these cultural expectations, to these rules, to these definitions of what a masculine man is supposed to be, that's not, that's not, that's not hard. It's not easy, but it's not, it's not that hard because you're just mm -hmm. falling in line. You're doing what everybody else is doing and you're not going to stand out. You're just going to be another man in the crowd. He's just like, oh, he's another man. He's a provider. He's a protector. He's tough. He fights. He drinks. He smokes. He's just another man. But when you can sit there and look yourself in the mirror and say, I don't believe in this stuff. This, is, this isn't me. I might not be a fighter. I might not be the tough guy. I might not be an athlete or a power lifter or have you know, an epic beard or anything like that. Like I, I might not be this man. This is who I am. This is who I truly am. And it's one thing to say it to yourself. That's already courageous and brave on its own because a lot of men can't even do that by looking themselves in the mirror. But when you can take that and stand up in public and say, Hey, you know what? These rules, these expectations of being a man, they don't, they don't line up with who I really am. Mm -hmm. This is who I really am. This is what I like. This is what I enjoy. This is what I love. This is what I do. This is what I think. This is how I act. And especially when that doesn't line up with the cultural expectations of what it means to me, be a man, that is courageous. That is brave yeah. because like you said, going back to how we're built as human beings, we're meant to be in a tribe. We're meant to be part of a group. We're meant to be accepted. When you start standing up and going against the grain and going against what society says a man should be, that runs the risk of being ostracized, of being ridiculed, of being shamed, of being essentially figuratively kicked out of the group. And for us, that equates to death. So when we can face that fear of death and say, hey, this is me, and know that we're going to get backlash and know that we're going to get ridiculed, know that we're going to get shame, that is freaking courageous. That takes courage. That takes way more courage than it does to just fall in line and be like, I have to be the provider because that's what my dad said. And that's what uh, society says. I have to be the protector. I have to be the breadwinner. I have to be the man of the house. I have to do this. I have to do that. Falling in line with that stuff because what it's told you, you have to do is not, not nearly as difficult as standing up and saying, you know what? Nah, I don't believe in any of this stuff. This is who I am. And I just want to say that all of this stuff that we're taught to be as men, it's not bad. And I know I've said this, but I'm going to continue to reiterate it because a lot of people get it confused and say, oh, men are being taught to be soft. No, there's nothing wrong with being the provider, the protector, the defender, the fighter if called upon to fight, not picking fights just for no reason, but, you know, fighting to defend your family or your mm -hmm. property or whatever it is. None of that stuff that we're taught 
makes up a masculine man is wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're not hurting other people, there's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong, what's toxic, as they like to say, what's bad is when you force other men to fit into that same definition, into that same box that you were taught to fit into, that society teaches you to fit into. Because anytime you force somebody to be someone that they're not, that's going to have really, really harmful, bad effects for that person, for the people around them, because they're going to be bitter, they're going to be resentful, they're going to be angry because their whole life, they're going to try to live up to this expectation that they're really not. So yeah. when you force anybody to do that, man, women, child, it doesn't matter who it is. When you force somebody to be somebody that they're not, that's going to have really bad effects. Dude. Sorry, yeah. I got a little carried away there. No, <laughs> you, 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 you started getting very uh, in, into that. That was almost I know, emotional. I, know. I don't want to come off as preachy. <laughs> I, just, I just feel very strongly about this stuff because it's, it's impacted me and I know it's impacting a lot of men out there. And that's why I do the stuff that I do to reach men and be like, hey, it's okay to be you. If you're not the tough guy, if you're not the macho guy, if you're not suave and sophisticated and tall and handsome, dark, it doesn't matter. You're still worthy of being a person, a man, a human being on this earth. No, I, so this, this makes me think of my own story really, because, and this is validating for me having you say it mm -hmm. because I was trying to connect to things that I could never be. And it was so depressing. It was so upsetting. Like I'm five, three, I'm a little guy. I can never be the tall, dark, and handsome. Yeah. I mean, I'm handsome, obviously, but <laughs> you, you are. Know, I, <laughs> you have really nice eyes, man. I know. I don't know if I've ever told you that, but you got really, really nice eyes. <laughs> I appreciate that. I feel so flattered. I, you guys can't see, but I'm very red right now. <laughs> He's very flattered right now. <laughs> um, but when it, it, it's super validating for me because you're basically telling me everything that I was not able to be is not the important part of it, and inside i kind of knew okay i can i can be, become okay with other things i don't have to be this version because there's no one one version of of what a man is you know mm -hmm. i think it's like what you were saying is like it's your most ideal version yeah it's the one that you connect with the most you know i so whenever i let go of however how society may define a man i was able to define it myself i fell in love with the things that made me feel manly you know i fell in love with being my stature and being able to be in a realm of other men with my own fucking strengths i fell in love with being a power lifter because that was a mindset strength that a lot of other guys don't even have mm -hmm. you know what i mean um and so to to maybe give you guys a different uh idea of what I think Christian is trying to say, tell me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. is that all these things that tell us what a man is, what is it the men kind of connect to the most? Challenge. We love mm -hmm. challenge, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So why don't you go ahead and challenge everything that the world tells you to be and take that on? Because that's probably the biggest challenge that you can do for yourself, for the greater good of who you are and the way that you're trying to be with the rest of the world. Does that sound about right? I like that. I like that. Yeah, man. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's also something that takes a lot of work because yeah. yes, as men, we love challenge, but we can also get very comfortable and very complacent and be afraid of that challenge. Because like I said, with that challenge, there's going to come the risk of failure. There's going to come the risk of shame and of ridicule. And I know something, I know that's something that has held me back. And I'm mm -hmm. sure that's something that holds a lot of men back is, uh, is just, you know, as men, we want to be winners. You know, we're yep. taught to be winners and we're taught to be dominant. We don't, 
I think that's why I stuck with things that I was comfortable with for so long because I wanted to do things that I knew I had a shot of, of being good at or of winning at. I never ventured too far out of, outside of my comfort zone. I never tried something too risky because I was always afraid of failing. It's funny, I used to go, you know, when I was much younger, a teenager and I had girlfriends, I would go to like, you know, carnivals and stuff. And I would always, I would always play the games, the carnival games that I knew I was good at. I wasn't going to try something that I had never <laughs> tried for before because like, no, I don't want to fail at that and then fail in front of my girlfriend in front of oh, this yeah. girl I'm trying to impress right here. So I'd always go straight to the one where there's like the three milk jugs and you have to knock it over with a, with a baseball or with a softball. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I can do that for sure. That's right up my alley. But other things like ring toss and stuff like that and, and you know, throwing a ping pong ball and a little fish ball. I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to try. I'm not good at that. No, nah, I'm going to stick to the stuff I'm good at. So so it's, it's, it's knowing what's a little risky and knowing what's a little scary and listening to that listening to that and asking yourself like why am i scared of this why does this worry me right now and if it worries you and if it scares you yes to a certain extent but that's that's what you need to that's what you need to go do that's what mm -hmm. you need to go do because that's how you're going to learn that's how you're going to grow we don't grow through constant success and success we grow through failure and adjusting and learning the lessons that that we learn from from our failures dude oh uh, yeah and the <laughs> we might have to do uh, another talk here soon because yeah. the the relationship to women I think is going to be a big one. If yeah, well, yeah, we can we can save the relationship with women to a, to another one for sure for for another episode definitely. Uh, if you guys haven't seen Christian, look up Christian Lopez. Just just do this for me. Christian Lopez is a very attractive person. His <laughs> his wife is smoking by the way. I just she's, want to compliment wife. She's she she's pretty. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but. That's such a hardcore thing that so many of us men, I still struggle with this one, mm -hmm. is trying to be that God for women. Yeah. And real quick, why don't we tap into this just for, yeah, yeah, for, just sure, for a single for sure. question. Um, how has that changed who you are? I mean, I, it seems like you're super happy with your wife now. And mm -hmm. so she's probably a completely different type of woman than what you dated in the past. Yeah. I knew you told completely. me about your past a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, how has that changed things for you with the way that you see women, I guess? Um, it, uh, explain that a little bit more so I know exactly where we're trying to go with that. Um, I guess I'm trying to compare your adolescence or, mm -hmm. or, or at least your, the younger version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And maybe this included your baseball career. Gotcha. Um, how that affected your relationships with women, how it affected um the way that you approach them and and mm -hmm. the the how you think of them like yeah. how, what you think of women yeah i guess um okay so so yeah growing up um growing up in a cuban i'm cuban my family's cuban grew up in a cuban community i always dated cuban women and oh, you really? know i just always yeah i just always had an affinity affinity for cuban women that's who i thought i was going to end up with i'm like i'm cuban all my Cuban friends have Cuban girlfriends and Cuban wives. I'm going to end up with a Cuban woman. That's, that's just, the, yeah, that's just the way it is. So, so I had this kind of ideal in my mind of what, you know, my future wife was going to look like or was going to be like or speak like or whatever. And I always kind of try to see that. I always talk about, not always, but I've talked about how before I met my wife, um, I was single for five years. I had just moved to LA. I was just like not looking to rush or anything, but I told myself whoever, I date seriously next, she's going to look like this. She's going to look like that. She's going to have this kind of body. She's going to have this kind of hair. Um, she's, her eyes are going to be like this. I had like this ideal 
of the woman that I wanted to date and I wanted everything to be perfect and I wanted us to never fight. And I just had this fantasy in my head of, of something that was unattainable, these expectations that were just unattainable, unattainable. So the way that my wife and I met and got together, like she had just gotten out of a really long relationship. I had just moved out to LA. I moved her like a month or I met her like a month after I moved out here. And we just casually dated for about the first year. You know, she was she was dating, you know, other guys. I was dating other women. And, you know, it wasn't too serious. You know, we're just dating. And then for about a year. And then we just somehow ended up coming back to each other at the end of the day. And then after about a year, we were just like, you know what? Let's just, we obviously, we really like each other. We have a really good time together. And we always seem to end up back together with each other. Why don't we just give this a shot? So we became exclusive. We dated seriously, exclusively for a while. And then we got engaged. We got married. That's the story. But for me, I feel like I've always been pretty good about being myself with women, especially especially back in the day when I was a teenager, when I was a professional athlete, my confidence was like sky high. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have any problem being myself around women being I've always been goofy always been goofy and and I think that's what attracted a lot of women to me because even my wife says this when she first met me she saw me and she was like oh another another tall handsome guy in LA he's probably a douche he's probably a douche he probably just wants to mess around and he's never going to call me again and then she was just like oh my god I was I was totally wrong about you like I, I judged you from the outset and I was totally wrong so I've always been really good. And I think that's, like I said, women are attracted to because they see me and they probably have this idea or this ju judgment about me. And then they meet me and they're like, oh my God, this freaking guy's a 12 year old kid. Like he's funny. He gets along with everybody. He's, he's a goofball. He doesn't take himself too seriously. So I've, I think I've always, especially like I said, back then, I've always had a lot of confidence in who I was. So I was okay being a goofball and making an ass of myself. And you know, if it didn't work out with a girl, whatever, it didn't work out. I didn't, I didn't really stress it. I was just like, look, this is me. If you like me, you like me. If you don't, you don't, mm -hmm. we can go our separate ways. But then after my baseball career where I got, you know, I just had these strong negative feelings about myself. It was a little bit harder. I felt like, I felt like I was putting on a front and putting on a mask more. So I was still being the goofball and, and, and the kind hearted person, but I felt like I was really closing myself off because I had gone through failure and heartbreak with baseball. I had gone through failure and heartbreak with the previous relationship. So I felt myself a lot more closed off than I used to be because I was so afraid of opening myself up to, to failure and to heartbreak again. But I think for the most part, I've been pretty good just about just being my goofball self because I want a woman who can be a goofball too. I don't want a woman who's too serious. You know, we, we get, we attract the pretty much what we are. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes we attract opposites, but my wife can be a freaking goofball. We'll see, sit here at night, you know, and watch some TV and just rag on each other and have the greatest freaking time. And she's a freaking huge goofball. And I love that. So I just, I was always really good about just really, truly trying to be myself as much as possible around women. Authentic connection. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. In a yeah. world of superficiality. Yeah. Well, well, going back to, you know, I think so many so this whole thing of masculinity and this, this culture of masculinity, it doesn't just affect men and affects women as well, because women mm -hmm. too are seeing this, these archetypes of men and you know, the, the Dwayne, the rock Johnsons and the double O sevens and these tough, you know, these uh, Chris Hemsworth Thor figures. And they, they see that too. And it's not just us men that see it. Women see it too. And be like, damn, that's what a real man is. A real man cracks other people's 
skulls with his hammer. A real man saves, saves a dam- damsel in distress from a building on fire. The real hero does this and does that. But when you really stop to think about it, how, how practical, how feasible, how, how can men really reach the Chris Hemsworth, the, the rock, you know, the, the 007, like when we were, when we really stopped to think about it, the expectations for us men, most times are unattainable. Mm-hmm. Like we look at the rock and like, he's a superstar and he's huge and he's buff and he's makes all these millions of dollars and he's, and he's a Hollywood buff and all this stuff. But how many the rocks are there out there compared to all the men in the world? So we have these expectations and then we make them so unattainable that we don't, when we don't reach them, we feel like a failure. And even for The Rock, even for The Rock, a guy like that who's making tons of movies and making tons of monies, he might even have expectations beyond of who he already is. And that might make him suffer as well. Like, oh shit, I'm, I'm The Rock Johnson, but I'm not, I'm not John Wayne, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. John Wayne probably had the same things. He's like, oh, I'm John Wayne, but I'm not this person. I'm not Clark Gable. I don't, I don't know my Hollywood actors that well. But it's just <laughs> like we set these expectations for ourselves and we don't stop to realize, like, is that really... Can I really attain that? Mm-hmm. And when we set these expectations so damn high and we don't meet them, we, we feel like failures. Yeah. And when we, especially when we attach our identity to them, which is what I did with baseball, just like I need to make the Hall of Fame. If I don't make the Hall of Fame, I'm not, I, my career worth it wasn't worth a crap. My yeah. life wasn't, wasn't worth a damn. So that's what happened to me. I set these expectations so high and wrapped my identity around them so much that when I didn't achieve them, not only did I not feel like a, uh, uh, not only did I feel like a failure as an athlete, I felt like a failure as just a man. Yeah. So we just set these expectations way too damn high. Yeah, I, I guess it can make you feel obsolete no matter what position you're in. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's not, and it's not, and it's not to say not to have goals and not to have ambitions and desires. Yeah. No, that's what makes us want to work hard towards something. But don't wrap your self-worth around it. Don't tell yourself, I'm only going to be happy and satisfied when I reach this pinnacle. Because if you don't reach it, then you're going to feel like crap. And then when you do reach it, you're going to set yourself another one where you're going to be like, oh, no, now I got to reach this one. And it's just this ongoing cycle of just wanting more and not being grateful for what we have and who we are right now. Mm. Yes, which actually is a question that I'm going to ask you. But first, I want to ask you, through all of this that we've gone through, and, and you know, bringing in your experience and your, the type of coaching that you do, um, because you also work on male confidence, which is Mm -hmm. fantastic. I think, Mm -hmm. uh, the definition of confidence for men can be completely different than what we might think on the surface. But Mm -hmm. what do you think for men that are struggling today? What are like the three things that are most important for them to grow into themselves, to become that real authentic person that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, take some time to get quiet by yourself. Alone time is important. I didn't used to think so. I thought I want to spend every way making a uh, waking moment with my wife, with my girlfriend, with my family, but quiet time is so damn important. Even if it's five, 10 minutes out of the day, sit by yourself, meditate, sit in silence, journal, just do whatever you can to get in touch with who you really are deep down inside because every single one of us, Zach Hansen, Christian Lopez, all you guys listening out there, we all have a real us inside of us that is just begging to come for the surface. And I think that's where a lot of our suffering and a lot of our stress come from is that we have that real us inside of us, but we think it's not worthy. We think it's not good enough because you know it doesn't fit in with what our group says and it doesn't fit in with what society says. So get some quiet time to find who that person 
really is mm-hmm. and and just become self-aware of that and, and and that will help you with your authenticity with it which is what i we, what we talked about earlier um number two when you find that bring it to the outside don't just keep it in your head whether that's journaling whether that's whether that's posting uh you know starting a blog post starting a podcast having a, a a conversation with you know with a really good friend or with a close partner whatever it is don't just keep that real you inside you bring that real you to the world because if you keep inside of you what what good is it going to do it's not going to do any good so bring it out inside of you and number three um would be just just don't be afraid to express it i know that kind of lines up with uh with bring it out of you but don't be afraid to express it to the world if bring it, it out of you is just writing a journal or writing a diary or whatever it is the next step would be bring that to the world bring that to the world not just for yourself but because bringing that to the world i guarantee you there's going to be people out there who are going to stand up and say hey me too I know what you mean. I know what you're talking about. I can relate to this. This resonates with me. This is something that has been on my mind for a long time. And I thought it was the only one. But when you start to express that stuff, man, like, ah, it just feels so damn good. Like I started doing that in Toastmasters and writing speeches and, and talking about stuff there. And now with a podcast and with blog posts, and it's just such a great feeling when I talk about this stuff and I can connect with people like you, I can connect with like-minded people who say, man, Thank you for sharing. This is something I've been dealing with for a long time. I just didn't have the courage to say it. I didn't have the words to put it into. So express that stuff freely and openly and vulnerably. And I, I guarantee you, it will bring nothing but benefits for you. Dude, mm-hmm. those are an awesome three. Uh, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of transparency there. Dude. Yeah, thank you, man. Um, so the last thing I kind of want to ask you before uh, we get to the end here is because your life has changed so much from from when you're a baseball player to who you are now. And, you know, who you are now is definitely more real and authentic than it's, it's part of that journey is, you know, mm-hmm. is finding yourself. Um, but I think a lot of men may not have an idea of what that would look like for now. Like if they were to see it, they'd be like, well, you were a baseball player. How does it get any better than that? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like holding on to that status symbol yeah. of being you know, the best successful man that you can be. So today with where you are now, what makes you feel like you're better than before? What makes you grateful? What are you grateful for right now that puts to shame what you were in your past? Um, What I'm grateful for right now compared to the past is just being able to, to be in the world as myself, not Mm -hmm. having to be, not having to put on a front, not having to be the jock with my teammates, not having to be the charming you know, lover with my wife, not having to be the, the bro with my group of bros, not having to be a certain type of person with my teammates or with my coworkers or with my men's groups or with Toastmasters or whatever, being able to be that same person, no matter what environment I'm in and having that strength and that courage to be that person is amazing because it's, it's tiring. It's exhausting having to worry about, okay, I'm around my teammates right now. I got to put on my teammate mask. Mm. Oh, I'm, I'm around my wife right now. I got to put on the husband mask. Oh, I'm around my coworkers right now. I got to put on the work mask. It's just tiring taking that stuff off and putting it back on. Why not just be your real self? Tap into that person that you really are. And that way you don't have to be, I always prided myself on being the, the quote unquote chameleon where I can blend into every environment. And yes, that has its, that has its benefits for sure. But when you're sacrificing who you really are to blend in 
with a crowd to just be accepted, to be cool. And we all want to be accepted, but you shouldn't be part of a group that expects you to change who you really are or sacrifice or suppress who you really are just to fit in. If I have to do that to be part of a group, honestly, I don't want to be part of that group. I want to be able to be myself in whatever group I'm in. And I want to encourage other men, whether it's through the Facebook group or through this podcast or through whatever it is that I do or put together, I want to encourage men like, hey, you don't have to pretend to be somebody that you're not. I want you to be truly 100% yourself Mm -hmm. because that is the best way to live life. Because like I've said many times, the worst fear that I have is getting to the end of my life and thinking to myself, man, I wasn't myself. I didn't do the things that I wanted to do. I didn't say the things that I wanted to say because I was always looking to say the right thing or impress the right person. So just truly, authentically be yourself in any situation, in any environment, in any group. That's that's the biggest thing that I've gotten. Dude. The biggest change that I've made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super powerful stuff, guys. Uh, one other thing is with getting where you are now, I know that probably the two biggest things I think that are influential to us and help change us are our experience mm-hmm. and the knowledge that we decide to follow. So as far as the knowledge goes, is there anything that you couldn't recommend out there to men and, and women too that helped you become who you are? Books, influencers, habits that have changed you to you know into being your best? For sure. I wrote this down. Where did it go? Oh, here it is. So, so yeah, a few books that I wrote down for you here was the first book that I came across in my, you know, on this journey that I've been on for the last two plus years was Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Mm -hmm. Um, If you guys have listened to my stuff, you know, I'm a huge, huge Brene Brown fan. She talks a lot about vulnerability, especially and courage and being able to be your real self, no matter what situation you're in. Um, So that book, Daring Greatly, Um, subtitle, How the Courage to be Vulnerable Transforms the Way We Live, Love, Parent, and Lead. Another book that I'm going to throw out a a couple books that I just started reading recently because I've listened to so many damn audio books, man, that I I forget. (laughs) I'll be honest. I forget most of the stuff that I read. It's only like little snippets that I write in my note section or something that just leaves me with like, oh man, this was really good from this book. Um, A couple that I just started reading recently was Dark Horse, Achieving Success Through the Purpose of Fulfillment. And what this talks about is you know, the dark horses who weren't the best in their fields or, or had really just strange ideas, but did things not because they wanted to be rich and famous, did things because they really believed in them, because they mm-hmm. it fulfilled them, because they had some kind of purpose, no matter what it was. So the book really harps on doing things because it really fulfills you as opposed to doing things because you want that paycheck or you want that status or you want that label. And just you know, having faith that when you do something that really fulfills you, everything else will just take care of itself. You might not be the richest person in the world, but what's making a billion dollars opposed to making a nice, comfortable lifestyle doing something that you really love and not being stressed out and not hating waking up every single day. Um, So that's one that I'm reading now that's really interesting. And another one, it's really, really made me kind of stop and think. It's called The Antidote. Uh, happiness for oh. people who can't stand positive thinking. I really recommend that one because I've always been a big advocate of positive thinking of when those, when those negative thoughts come to mind, you just push them away and you suppress them and just put on a happy face and put on a smiling face, no matter what's going on. But this book puts it in a way where it doesn't say to think negatively, but kind of like with stoicism, like it's you, you kind of feel those negative thoughts and you let them come and you also, you almost become friends with them. 
and you analyze them and you ask yourself questions. All right, I'm having this negative thought right now. Where is this coming from? Why am I thinking this? Instead of just suppressing it and pushing it away and pushing it away. And another thing that it talks about that was really interesting too is that, you know, with this whole, you know, positivity world and motivational speaking and all this stuff, a lot of people talk about just trying to attain happiness in any, any way we can. We're always shooting for happiness and shooting for happiness and shooting for happiness. And what this book argues is that if you're always shooting for happiness, happiness and you're always trying to attain it and you're always trying to grab it, you're essentially telling yourself you're not happy right now. So when it said this, it made me think like, damn, that's that kind of that kind of makes a point. You know, I, I'm, re, I'm still reading into it a little bit more to understand a little bit better. But it pretty much says when you're always striving for happiness and like what's going to make me happy, what's going to make me satisfied, what's going to what's going to scratch this itch. It's you're pretty, you're pretty much telling your body like you're not happy right now. So it reminds me of this quote that I read that it said, always be happy, never be satisfied. So for me, it comes down to gratitude, like be grateful for what you have right now. But just because you're grateful and you love all the stuff right now doesn't mean you can't strive to be better. Doesn't mm -hmm. mean you can't strive for more, but always coming back and never forgetting like, man, I'm happy or I'm grateful to have what I have to, to be the person that I am right now while continuing to strive for more to help people to become a better person or, or to do this or to that. So that's a really interesting one, because like I said, I've always been an advocate of positive thinking, but this is kind of putting it in a, in a new light for me. And then um, as far as influencers, just some off the top of my head, uh, Lewis Howes, he's got a podcast called uh, yeah. School of Greatness. He's awesome. He was also a, a former athlete too. So it's kind of cool to resonate and relate to him a little bit. Uh, Jay Shetty, who used to be like a, a monk. Yeah. And he, he went and, and was a monk for so many years. And then he's come back and kind of taking what he learned and translating it into our, our into our, you know, world now. And then uh, Terry Crews, he's not much of an influencer, but I just love this guy. He actually came into the restaurant that I work at last week and, uh, and sat down and had lunch. And I didn't want to bother him, bother him too much, but I told him, I was like, hey man, I love the stuff that you're doing. And I think initially he thought I was going to say like Brooklyn Nine-Nine and all the movies and stuff. And I was like, no, I love the stuff that you're doing with vulnerability and with men and all this stuff. And I just briefly told him like I started this podcast and I'm trying to start this, this coaching business. Like you know, centered around all that stuff. And he was really interested. And he's like, yeah, man, it's so important. So we had a, a little brief conversation, but I just love him because he's this big, bad, tough, macho dude with these huge pecs. But like, if you really know him, he's goofy, he's soft, he's intimate, he's affectionate, he's loving, like just the opposite of what you would judge just by looking at like his rock hard body. So those, those three people right there. Dude, that... and Brene Brown, of course. She's awesome. Oh, of course. I yeah. after after the, the amount of views, I think she tapped into something that the world really needed at the time. Absolutely, huge, man. huge, especially us men. So, where is it that people can find you after they listen to this podcast? They're going to want to follow up. For sure, man. Uh, best place would be Instagram, Clopey, C L O P E Y, and the way that was formed was my nickname when I was playing baseball was Lopey. Just a short oh, okay. version of Lopez. And then I just added the C in front of it. So now sometimes people even refer to me as Clopey, which I think is, <laughs> is hilarious. So it's so funny. So Clopey, C-L-O-P-E-Y on Instagram. Um, on Facebook, I have um, or my podcast, Behind the Masculinity, M-A-S-K-U-L-I-N-I-T-Y on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Stitcher, all the places you can find podcasts. And I also have a private Facebook group that Zach is a, is a part of um, based around that, that same name. So if you look for that, you can find me there, but those two places and then Instagram would probably be the, the best places to find me. 
Instagram's a, that's a heavy one. Yeah, <laughs> probably, yeah. probably the same. So guys, I'm, I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. Um, this just brings me a little bit closer to Christian. We find more and more understanding for each other, the more that we talk and it makes me understand more about myself and it gives me relatability and it makes me feel like I'm a part of a tribe that has been super awesome. So I'd like to thank Christian Lopez for being here today. Uh, there's a lot of good things in this podcast that we that we touched on. You know, it's Christian to me is covering a lot of important things that are important to the modern man, you know, being vulnerable and being transparent and being willing to take action that has to do everything with the truest version of yourself. And so if you guys would like to go ahead and follow up with him, I I'm stoked that you guys are on here and I'd like to thank everybody for joining us here on the the chaos creep podcast. Thanks for being here uh, today. Join us again on the next one. And Christian, if you want to say goodbye, go right ahead, man. Yeah, sure. Thanks guys for listening. Like I said, I love, I love doing this stuff. I love having conversations, especially with, with men like Zach who are open to having deep conversations with this. I think it's so important. So I appreciate you guys listening. If you guys want to reach out to me, I am open anytime. I love having these conversations with any and everybody. So I'm always open if you guys want to reach out. Perfect, man. Dude, it's been great talking to you. For all of you out there, stay strong and stay rebel-minded. What's up, Creed Soldiers? Are you loving the podcast? Has any of the content helped you or inspired you? Better yet, do you have any stories of your own that you'd love to have talked about on the podcast? Do you have something that is just dying to have a voice? I love making real connections with real people. Make sure to write in and share your story or your support for the Creed. I love building an army of people that want to share their gifts and their voice. I promise you, now is better than ever. The world deserves to hear you and you get the choice every day to make yourself known. Contact and share with me on Instagram, IG handle at Creed Soldier, and you can send me a personal email at Zachary at ChaosCreed.com. That's Zachary, Z-A-C-K-A-R-Y, at ChaosCreed, both with a K, dot com. And if you or someone you know is tired of suppressing your real self, wants to find your potential, and commit to the rebel-minded mindset, you can contact me for coaching and scheduling at ChaosCreed.com slash action. And if you haven't already, like, share to friends, and hit the follow button for the Chaos Creed podcast so you know when every new episode and interview has gone from my mic to your speaker. See you soon, soldiers. I was a little worried, man. (laughs) <laughs> it's like damn am i, am I getting stu- stood up on our second date <laughs> did you get a fresh new cut you look you look i did good. man i did look at that. thanks, thanks look at bro that fade. trimmed the trimmed the beard down a little bit to zach henson length <laughs>